Since 1984, the Partners in Mission Food Bank has been providing nourishment, hope and support to the Kingston and area community in Ontario, Canada. Along with the Food Hamper program, the Food Bank donates surplus items to local hot meal and shelter programs in the area. Hi, this is Nancy Corrigan. I'm Rainier DeSmith. And you're listening to Channeled, our podcast about creating more together. Today, we're talking with the Food Bank's Executive Director, Dan Irwin, who says that the Food Bank's staff, volunteers, and clients are a community of giving and hope with an opportunity for all to share. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to start by asking you a little bit about the origins of the Food Bank and how it came to be. Yeah, so as you mentioned, 1984 was when the Food Bank was created by the sisters from the Religious Hospitals of St. Joseph. And so they built a a food bank based on a need that was in the community. And they truly thought they'd only be around for a couple of years. Wow. Here we are 37 years later. Yeah, which is both sad and great that it's still here, right? Yeah, we always hope we're going to be gone. We truly do hope that there'll be a day where there is no food bank need. But I don't see it coming anytime soon. Yeah, I would think particularly so with the pandemic, you must have seen a a bit of a change or or an increase in demand. The pandemic was totally unpredictable. We were up, we were down. Um, CERB saved food banks. CERB is the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, and that helped people who lost their jobs to collect uh, up to $2,000 a month immediately. Without CERB, we would have been absolutely buried. Uh, So we're very thankful that the government stepped in quickly with CERB and that helped us. Yeah, exactly. And I think a number of other organizations have also sort of sprung up. Yes, there's been a lot of uh, organizations who've either pivoted, like Lionhearts, who started making meals where they never did before, or other organizations who've kind of stepped in and tried to do things differently. The restaurants in town were amazing as far as donating food to us when they had to shut down at the beginning, uh, and even throughout the year when they had excess. Tell me a little bit about the growth of the food bank and some of the people that are there. Yeah, so the food bank over the years has grown a lot since, I'm trying to remember the exact year, somewhere around the mid-2000s, we've grown 60% in our hamper distribution. So when I say hamper, that's a food hamper. So we prepare food hampers for our clients. Pre-pandemic, we'd hit 102 volunteers. Now, during the pandemic, we dropped all the way down to 20, which was real tight. Uh, We've lifted that up to about 60 now, again, with all the social distancing and and staying safe. We've had to really work on that kind of thing. Last year, again, with all the extra food, we were able to share more with our local food providers, and we were able to provide over 32,000 pounds of food to them. Wow, that's amazing. So the volunteers, what do they do? Our volunteers, uh, without them, we don't get the job done. There's six of us, full-time staff, and like I said, 60 volunteers. So Obviously, we can't do what we do without them. So they do everything from sorting groceries, so the donations that come in, they sort those out and check the dates and put them in the right shelves, to building the hampers that we distribute, as well as handing out the hampers. So they're involved in every aspect of our our day. They are the reason we can help so many people. And how do you get donations? Do you you mentioned restaurants, of course, yeah. and, and that's great. Uh, individual donors as well. We do. So our donations come in in various forms. We have a lot of support from other businesses and restaurants, whether it's food donations or monetary donations. We don't receive government funding. 
We're not a part of any agency. So what I love about the food bank is it's neighbor helping neighbor. So some neighbors are donating food, some are donating money, some are donating their time to help one of our other neighbors who need some help. A community of caring. It, it very much is, and I think that's what brings most of our volunteers there. It's that feeling in your heart that you're, you're helping someone with something very important. I understand, too, that people donate fresh items as well, particularly during the summer when people are growing. Yes, our farmers and our um, you know, city plot growers, we get all sorts of different donations in, in different you know, sizes and varieties. We love that. We're able to increase the fresh we give out. We purchase fresh fruit and vegetables, eggs and milk every week, but being able to offer more, particularly in the growing season, it, it's it's just a nice bonus. Tell me a little bit about the recipients. Uh, a lot of people ask me, well, what's your average client like? And the reality is there is no such thing. Um, we do have some clients who are unfortunately, as I say, kind of trapped in our social services. So they kind of get stuck in that. We've got other clients who were laid off for a period of time, needed some help and got back on their feet and they're rolling again. Or there's a marriage disruption or a large bill for hydro or something like that and so that kind of throws people off so many people are living so tight right now they've they're one or two paychecks away from needing some sort of assistance the client that bothers us the most is our senior clients mm. because we know once they come to us they're no longer in a position to earn money the increases on their pensions and whatnot are not going to be significant so they're they're unfortunately trapped with us unless something miraculously happens. Most of our clients is there's a pride there that they don't want to admit they need help. Right. Um, we're somewhat hopeful that the pandemic with all the news that food banks have received will actually help improve that, those feelings and, and get people out. If you need help, you need help. Just reach out. It makes me think a little bit about the basic income model as well, mm -hmm. because you mentioned CERB, and of course that was, you know, the government giving people in need $2,000 a month. What if we just did that? Yeah, it's uh, the important thing I think everyone needs to know is food banks aren't the solution to income security or food insecurity. We are just a band-aid. We know that. We're there to make sure people get through the month and, and don't starve. The only way to fix food insecurity is with income. And CERB, or the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, kind of showed what a good threshold could be for basic income. And that's something we need to look at more. It's going to take courage by some political parties to step forward, particularly after we've got so much pandemic debt. But the reality is there's, there's so much tied to that. I mean, if you don't have the proper nutrition, you don't have good health. So... The, it's just snowballs. So that's what we really need to think about. What is the end result going to be? I know that the disability income that people receive, mm -hmm. people with disabilities, is also nowhere near that amount. Yeah. And, and so that you probably see a, a portion of that group as well. Yeah, we average 11 to 1200 clients per month in our food bank. And roughly 300 of those are trapped within the Ontario work system, the Ontario disability support payments. Those are great systems, but we need to stop patting ourselves on the back that we've got a system and increase it and improve it. We've not made significant increases in years, and it's really not a dignified way to treat 
people with disabilities to make them run around begging for food almost. As a country, we hurt our shoulders patting ourselves on the back so much that we've stepped over the bar the Americans have set, which is so low, it's not really a bar. So what we need to do is we need to be looking at the European countries, and then that's where we're going to find a new bar, which you're going to find is above us. And now we need to step it up. I particularly like the Scandinavian countries because they deal with the same type of small populations, cold weather. There's some similarities there that we can really learn from and use. I think there's probably a portion of the community as well that really doesn't understand how big the need is. Oh, very true. When the Prime Minister said, donate to your local food bank, way back at the beginning of the pandemic, I can't tell you how many notes we'd receive with checks or how many notes we'd receive with online donations saying we didn't even know we had a food bank. Wow. You know, and the last year it was our 36th year. So it's still surprising to find out that people didn't know that we were there in the community, that we were the food bank and, and what we do. Um, we've helped, last year was over 5,700 individuals and over 1,650 of those were children. Wow. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of people that are needing help. Yeah. You know, life's expensive. You know, we all know this. You, if you pay attention to your budgets, you're like, okay, a lot for rent or mortgage or car payments or gas, groceries. And you know, groceries have gone up. I think last year was 8%. This year's forecasted between 5 and 10. So we're seeing a lot of uh, inflation in groceries. And... Most people are going, oh darn, I just paid an extra $100 a month for groceries. Others are going, I'm not going to eat. Yeah. And or hard to eat. Um, healthy. Healthy, right? Very true. It's so easy to choose poorly and not pay so much. Yeah. And, and that's a challenge that uh, people with food insecurity have. Tell me about your volunteers. Our volunteers are primarily senior, actually. Because we're a Monday to Friday operation during the day, so most of our volunteers are uh, retired. So it's great to see their life experience and they've come from all walks of life. They just wanna help. They recognize the clients. They, uh, you know, hi, how are you doing? And they're always careful though, because nobody is excited to go to the food bank. Yeah. I've not seen anyone in a food bank who judges anybody who comes. I've been, obviously involved the our food bank heavily, but I've been in other food banks for tours and one, the same thing. Everyone's just there to help. And if you need help, you need help. It's hard for people to ask for help though. Very, very much so. And I, I think I mentioned a little earlier that I'm hopeful the pandemic will remove some of that stigma. I mean, you saw the prime ministers telling you about the food banks. We've seen CNN with pictures of, you know, two-lane highways with people lined up for hours down in the States for food assistance. So we're really hopeful that people will start to recognize that if I need help, it's there, I just need to reach out. What's the criteria when someone comes in and needs help? So we're real simple. You need help, you call. We get it done. Uh, we're not the food police. There's nobody, in my opinion, who's going to a food bank just because they want to get free food. Right. We provide a food hamper that's five to seven days worth of food, including fresh. Um, we've had meat for almost every hamper for the last two years, if you want meat. Our clients can only come once a month. We cannot financially manage more than that. It'd be nice to be able to give them multiple options. 
but it, it's just too much for us to be able to handle. We build hampers for taking food allergies into consideration. Oh. And we're also really trying hard to make culturally appropriate hampers too. So it, it's a learning curve for us and we've really stepped up to improve those hampers. I was going to ask about newcomers to Canada and, and yeah. you know, what the need is there, but also what you're saying about, you know, culturally diverse food hampers. That it must be a bit of an eye-opener the first time they come and it's food that they don't really know. I'll use the Syrian families, for example. They bake everything from scratch. They didn't want canned goods. Right. And they didn't know what to do with them. Their kids thought their canned goods were weird. <laughs> and so we, we've provided them more whole foods that they build from scratch. And that's what they want to do. What's your favorite part of the day at the food bank? I don't, that's a hard question. But I do enjoy handing out food. And I'd probably say that's one of my favorite parts of my day. I don't do it always, but I go down every now and again. There's always so much gratitude and thanks. Well, even though it is a difficult visit for people to make, it sounds like it's such a community. You know, there, yeah. there is that cushion that they know that they can come and that they won't be judged. That's all I hope for. I don't need to know anyone's name. I don't need to know their circumstances. I just need to know that they got what they needed and we treated them well. So how can people get involved in the food bank? People can get involved in many different ways. They can volunteer, they can donate food, either through a grocery store or directly to us. They can donate money. Uh, KingstonFoodBank.ca is nice and easy. Um, donate buttons right in the upper right-hand corner. They can do it one time or monthly. They can speak up to ensure the governments understand that food insecurity is an important item and needs to be talked about. And finally, they can follow, like, and share our good messages on social media. That's excellent. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you. This is Nancy Corrigan from Channel 3 Communications. This is Rainier from Brilliant Eye Multimedia. And you've been listening to Channeled, our podcast about creating more together. If you like what you heard today, we hope you subscribe to our podcast. Thanks so much for listening and have an awesome day.